Face the Music, a pre-yellow song-by-song podcast, is sponsored by fine Patreoners like Jeffrey Eberting. This is Face the Music, a pre-yellow song-by-song podcast. Episode negative zero seven six. Flowers in the rain. With all my blankets in a heap And yellow roses scattered all around The time is still approaching For I can stand it anymore So Mary goes upon my eider down I'm just sitting watching flowers in the rain Feel the power of the rain Making the garden grow I'm just sitting watching flowers in the rain Flowers in the Rain was recorded on July 6, 1967 at the Advision Sound Studios in London. Like previous Move singles, the song came from a book of fairy tales Roy Wood wrote when he was going to the Mosley College of Art. Now, the following story is a thing that the Move is most known for outside of being the precursor to ELO. And it's not really a good thing, but it is a good thing and the legal legacy it spawned continues to be enforced today. Move manager Tony Secunda took his mad promotion skills a little too far when he hired Neil Smith to draw a postcard featuring a butt-naked tune of British Prime Minister Harold Wilson in bed with a sultry, buxom, scantily clad version of his secretary, Marsha Williams. This included the caption, Disgusting, depraved, despicable, though Harold may be, Beautiful is the only word to describe flowers in the rain by the move. 500 copies of that postcard were sent to journalists, DJs, and radio stations. Wilson was not amused. He ended up successfully suing the band, and all royalties from the single were ordered to be donated to charities of Wilson's choosing. The ruling still stands. While the move have lost millions of pounds in royalties, The Spastic Society, which changed their name to Scope in 1994, Stoke Mandeville Hospital, the Oxford Operatic Society, Bolton Lads Club, and the Jewish National Fund for Israel continue to benefit from Secunda's stunt to this day. The song owns a less litigious honor in history. It was the first single to be played on BBC Radio 1 when the station signed on on September 30th, 1967. Tony Blackburn played it at 6.55 a.m. To mark the song's 40th anniversary, Tony hosted a show on BBC Radio 4 on September 25th, 2007, detailing its history and the charitable legacy. Another fellow said he was a daisy, insisted we water him every morning. I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And I'm Eric Winsenson. I want to start off by telling you all the things I hate about this song. I really hate that for 53 years, I have not had this song in my life. And to make it worse, I have this song. I've had it for 38 years. A friend gave me a copy of, uh, I think it's called Move Greatest Hits, Volume 1, Christmas 1984. I was 15 years old, and, and I looked at the cover, and it's the move. Late 60s. Look like a bunch of really weird out, weird hippies. 
you know, I'm just barely starting to ease away from top 40 radio that I've been fed for the last 15 years. Hall and Oates, Olivia Newton-John, the ELO hits, Leo Sayre. But uh, the way the move looked, I was kind of like, I don't know. These guys look like they're going to be too weird for me to handle. And over the summer of 84, I had heard no answer and ELO too. And um, that was some weird stuff that considering that this was pre-ELO and and how weird that stuff could be and that it was 60s, I didn't know if my 15-year-old mind could handle it. So I just tucked it away. And I never got around to listening to it. Six months later, I bought Split Ends and I liked a bunch of songs from that. But I never got around to listening to The Moves Greatest Hits, Volume 1, or whatever it's called. And I still haven't listened to it. And it's not going to happen since my stereo system is in storage. My turntable's in a difficult spot to get in the closet. And I'm not taking through boxes of albums that are off in a closet. So I had it. I wish I'd listened to it because I really freaking love this song. And I would have loved it when I was 15. Because this is the kind of psychedelic stuff that I love. It's pop psychedelic. It's like Green Tambourine. My Green Tambourine. Or Ichiku Park. I tell you what I'll do. What will you do? I'd like to go there now with you. You're even dizzy. Dizzy. It's that kind of bubblegum psychedelic that is much more pleasing to my ears than, say, the bubble puppy psychedelic where it's loud guitars and all kinds of weird distorty warpy sounds i love it i freaking love this song i wish i had been hearing this song well at least since 1984 but i had to wait until 2023 to hear it well i have been hearing this song since about 1985 86 i believe because i didn't have a lot of elo stuff had some of their singles and stuff because most of my record shopping was at thrift stores. A family thrift in Glendale was a place where some radio station had to dump a lot of their stuff because there'd be tons and tons of stuff that at the time the radio station just dumped at the thrift store because, of course, they this is early to mid-80s and they didn't want to play at any of it. Johnny and his leisure suits? Actually, I got it there. <laughs> Snowbird song. Look out! I <laughs> um, also got the Blue Shoes EP because uh, I guess Living Room Records dumped all the rest of the copies that didn't sell of uh, Someone Like You. Back to the move. One of the things I found there, and this probably wasn't dumped by a radio station. It was probably dumped by a collector or uh, an ex-collector or uh, that had been pining for the fjords at the time. Yeah. Pining for the fjords? And it was a promo single of Flowers in the Rain. Now, I wanted to hear what the move sounded like because I don't know anything about the move at this particular point. All I know is Jeff Lynn was in them. Yeah. I didn't know Bev Bevan was with them. I had no idea who Roy Wood was. Yeah. And I bought it and I loved the single, even though I went, this doesn't sound a bit like Jeff Lynn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Later found out why, but yeah. <laughs> but I love this thing since the very first moment I heard it. Now, the reason you're liking it, it's not really bubblegum, it's British. American psychedelic music a lot of times had the weird guitars and 
the way to compare it is American psychedelic music is sitting in somebody's dingy basement, <laughs> really hoping that the trip doesn't go into a nightmare. Because <laughs> everybody else is high, even the person who agreed to keep an eye on everybody. Mm-hmm. And you're also hoping that the cops don't bust in and you all of a sudden think everybody's a cop (laughs) and this music is playing and piercing every nerve that you have, but it's the best experience you ever had. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess. And then you follow it up with a bunch of liquor. (laughs) Homemade liquor. British, you just smoked a bunch of weed and you're out playing in the fields. (laughs) Which or is you what just the, drop some acid and you're out playing in the fields. Which is what they're like, doing in the video for this song. You notice almost every video for a British psychedelic band, at some point they're out playing in the fields or the forest or having tea. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or Bev Bevan's um, yawning while reading a comic book. Exactly. And it is still called psychedelic, but really the music is completely different. Yeah, uh, it's American psychedelic comes from a garage point of view. Yeah, of uh, let's just bang this out and be creative. Where the British, it seems old fashioned, even though it was new at the time. It seems old fashioned. I think it is also because there's more of that Indian influence in it, the Middle Eastern Indian influence they threw into it too. In some cases, maybe that's why I love it. I mean, I can kind of see it some sort of bouncy 1920s jazz fun song to it or something like that i think maybe i can kind of see this as something like some 20s dance band or something yeah and there's also a lot of music hall to it because paul mccartney really used that a lot in the beatles and with a lot of their later songs oh yeah Uh, honey yeah it's a whole blend of all these different musical traditions that are uniquely british and so that's why it's a different experience listening to this kind of stuff than it is listening to the American stuff. And I have always, always, always loved this particular single. I mean, I don't think we're going to get any pushback from anybody in England either who grew up with this. This is one of the cornerstones of British psychedelia is this particular song. The reason I have a promo copy is because they tried to push this as one of their first hits to try and break them here in the U.S., which unfortunately didn't work. And I have absolutely no idea why this didn't work. This would fit right on the same radio playlist as Monkeys and Beatles and everything else. There's nothing weird that makes it not playable or not marketable other than for some reason nobody cared. No, absolutely. I, I don't get why this didn't get in the airplay. It, you, you're yeah. right. It's. I mean, you could play this with Monkeys, Beatles, uh, Lemon Pipers. This totally fits in with 1967 radio. And yeah. yet, nobody here ever heard of it. <laughs> I'm surprised you hadn't heard it in all these 53 years of your life because it is one of those songs that you really, really have to hear. It's yeah, it is a shame. It didn't get popular here in the United States. It really deserved it. Oh, absolutely. The video I'm getting a vibe that they were trying to make Bev Bevan a sex symbol, a very grumpy sex symbol because He's... he's still looking bored and grumpy and everything, but they focus on him more than they focus on the rest of the band. The rest of the band's out frolicking and everything, but he actually gets the camera focused on him. I don't know whose chest that is. I don't know if that's his. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't tell you. There are a couple of things about this single. One, I believe this is the only time in rock history that somebody has used the word "eider down" in mm-hmm. a rock song. And I know Tony Visconti said, hey, you know what you guys need? Some horns and some woodwinds. Let's put this on this record. 
But the first sound that comes from this record that isn't just your standard rock instruments of the time of guitar, bass, and drums, there's some sort of twittering. To me, it sounds like a synthesizer. I noticed that uh, if you slow that down, it really kind of sounds a lot like the opening for When Time Stood Still. I've liked the other Move songs, but this is the first Move song that we've hit so far in the podcast that I love. I friggin' love this song. Wonderful song. Great example of what the Move sounded like before Jeff Lynn. Really, I, I still can't understand why. I don't know if it was because they didn't tour over here much or anything like that. I don't even know if they got over here at all at that particular point. Actually, yesterday I stumbled across an interview with Bev Bevan from 2017, I think, something like that. And he said the move did tour over here in America. They played San Francisco, I think New York, and Detroit. And that was the only time the move toured in America. And those were the only places they stopped at. Uh, no surprise that they didn't come back after Detroit. Got something to say about flowers in the rain. Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375 What you thought was in the rain? Was it a hit or was it? Flowers in the Rain was released as a single on August 25th, 1967, with Here We Go Round the Lemon Tree as the B-side. It was put out by Regal Zonophone in the UK and A&M Records in America. In Germany, it made it to number 19. In Belgium, it got to number 17 on the Wallonia chart and number 13 on the Flanders chart. It also hit number 13 in Sweden. In the Netherlands' Dutch Top 40, it reached number 7 and number 5 on the single Top 100. It got to number 6 in Australia, Ireland and Rhodesia put it at number 4, and the UK it peaked at number 2, and in New Zealand it made it to the toppermost of the poppermost at number 1. Great moments in Electric Light Orchestra history. The Classic Rock Morning Show. When the move toured, our one and only tour of America, we played only three cities, and that was San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Detroit. Well, hello, this is Dr. Troy with my thoughts on Flowers in the Rain. I have to admit, when I first heard this song, I kind of thought, yeah, maybe, I was kind of ho-hum on it. But after listening to it a few more times, it has become a favorite of mine. There's so many things about this song that I like that I don't have time to go into all of it, but I can give you a few. The first thing I like is the rain and thunder sound effect. It was reminiscent to me of the beginning of songs like Riders on the Storm, By the Doors, Rhythm of the Rain by the Cascades, and even The Rain, The Park, and other things by the Cowsills. And once the music kicks in, the rhythm and the pace kind of reminded me of the beginning of that Cowsill song, but of course, once the song begins, nothing um, related to the Cowsills there. I love the arrangement and the production. I love the rhythm. It's in the style of a march. And I love the way the beat carries through the whole song. The backing vocals are not so prominent on this song, like they have been on other Moose songs. In fact, I didn't even hear any backing vocals until the breakdown near the end. But once again, they may have been used sparingly, but they were used very well. And I love, I believe it's Carl Wayne doing the lead vocal. I have been saying Roy Wood, but... I think it's Carl Wayne. 
I love his vocal performance on this song. It's very well done, and the fact that they don't have backing vocals during the song, I think it would be distracting from the singer. So I'm glad they let him sing without too much distraction. And finally, the use of piccolos. Well, it looks like they're introducing some psychedelia there, and it is sort of reminiscent of Penny Lane by the Beatles. So there was definitely something in the air. And finally, I hear more than a little echo of ELO in this song. Um, I'm surprised ELO didn't cover it because I think it would have been a good fit for them. I know if I had a band, I would definitely cover this song. Well, that's all for this week. Talk to you next week. Feast the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read and reply to it on the show. Keep up to date by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube page, the Electric Light Orchestra podcast channel, to hear other goodies. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash elopod or PayPal using the podcast's email address or send a check or money order to P.O. Box 1932, Superior, Arizona 85173. Next week, episode negative zero seven five. Here we go around the lemon tree.